Hello, Sweat. I'm Jack Brady, and this is the Sweatcast, the weekly podcast that provides industry knowledge about the latest trends in the world of sport and fitness. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Sweatcast. I am your host, Jack Brady. With me, as always, is the co-founder of Go Sweat, Alex Hind, and our special guest today is the founder of a company called Live. His name is Dylan Iyalu, and he is a yoga instructor and a yoga instructor trainee trainer so uh dylan welcome first of all and uh second why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself uh sort of your journey and how you got involved with yoga in the first place and uh what you're up to now thank you hopefully i can remember all those questions (laughs) (laughs) tell us your life story yeah um thanks for having me first of all um pleasure being here um my journey well i got into yoga um because uh, I was a professional martial artist. Um, as a kid, I was bullied in school. I got into martial arts and then just didn't expect that I would end up um, becoming a professional fighter. I then had injuries. I tore my hamstrings, injured my knees and lower back and things like that. And then uh, fast forward some late years later, uh, I quit the Olympics team and just went and studied instead because uh, I wanted to use my brain. And um, noticed that you know these injuries, although I wanted to do something active, um, I didn't want to do something full contact again and, and re-injure myself because I kept re-injuring myself over and over again um, in the sport. Um, and eventually I heard about yoga and it was a bit elusive. Uh, one day I just went to my first yoga class and you know I was just hooked straight away. What was the martial art that you did? Uh, taekwondo. Yeah. Impressive. So you said the Olympic team, did you compete at the Olympics? No, I quit the team before I got to the Olympics. Oh, really? Yeah, I got selected as a kid and trained as a kid. Uh, This was in Malaysia, actually, because that's where I lived at that time. And um, my coaches were not impressed. Was that a difficult decision to quit at that time, or was it kind of easy for you after all the injuries? I think at that point, I looked at my seniors who were going for the world championships, because it wasn't an Olympic sport yet. And... Um, in a country like that, at, at that time, and you know, whatever the economy was like, I, you know, even though I didn't really understand that much, I understood enough to look at them and went, I don't want that life. You know, you peak at about 21, um, which is normally, you know, when, when you'd go for whatever your competitions are, uh, and then after that, that's it, you, you know, you might become a national coach. Um, and there weren't, you know, that's not things like being sponsored. Like in the West, you get lots of sponsorships and things like that. And there's an opportunity to make a pretty good living. But in those countries, I mean, you'd be lucky to get a, a national car and maybe a flat and that's it. You know, and you might be a national coach, which uh, not that it had to be glamorous, but I just didn't see a future in it. So um, it brought me to yoga. And um, yoga... I didn't want, as a guy and as an athlete, um, I wanted something that had a certain intensity to it. So I, I stayed away from yoga for a while because I thought, you know, it's just a bunch of people doing some stretches and lying down. And I thought, well, that could be good for some other people, but it's just not my cup of tea. Um, until I had some, some buddies of mine that started to do some research and one of them did a class and he said, oh, you know, you, you will love this. Um, so I did some research, went and checked out the first class. Actually, the first class I went to, the teacher said, oh, you know, just sit down and watch. And when I looked at them doing these poses, I thought, you know, I mean, come on, they're doing like this inverted V shape and <laughs> this other shape. I mean, how hard can it be? I've never done those things before. Yeah. But I thought, come on, just let me participate. 
He said, I'm going to watch today and then come back tomorrow. I went the next day and uh, I just, you know, I just got it handed to me basically. <laughs> and uh, I just got hooked straight away. And where was that first class? That was in Sydney. Yeah, close to 20 years ago. I think something like 17, 18 years ago um, in, my, in my early 20s. And so what you did that class in Australia and then what was the, what was the next step for you to... Yeah, so I just stayed, you know, continued practicing um, and, you know, I, I finished my university, continued to then go into corporate um, and, and progress in my corporate career and I kind of fell in and out of yoga. Um, I did have a period of partying and, and, you know, enjoying my youth as you do um, and at that time, you know, yoga was kind of there as something that just uh, gave me some stability, I guess you could say. Um, and I was trying to work out a lot of things in my head as you do at that kind of an age. Um, not really, you know, just not really understanding a lot, but also trying to work things out about myself, about life. Um, but every time I went back to the mat, it just gave me, uh, obviously, something physical that I was getting. But also, I didn't realize how much internal benefits I was actually getting from the practice. Um, I, I wasn't naturally flexible. Uh, but I realized that just with some practice, um, and I loved practicing in a heated room, uh, you know, the, the flexibility came, you know, whatever flexibility I needed. Um, and I think that's the benefit with yoga is that, you know, whatever it is that you need to get to uh, your state of health and well-being, it just somehow has this magical way of directing you to that, you know, of, of just gaining that kind of a balance. Um, and whatever stress levels I had from corporate, you know, it just leveled it out. Physically, I was hit, um, fit and healthy. Um, and, and yeah, you know, I was able to just enjoy my life because I've had that level of vitality and health and energy um, through all those years. So when did you kind of take that plunge from the corporate career into becoming a yoga instructor? Sure, so um, probably about, uh, I want to say 12, 13 years later, um, after climbing the ladder, I think one of the things martial arts gave me was just this focus and perseverance. You know, so if I set my mind on something, I just, that's it, I wouldn't give up, no matter what shows up. So when I started corporate, I thought, you know, that's where I want to go, up the top of the ladder, um, up the top of some organization. And I climbed the ladder and I did the work. Um, and I think another thing I had coming from uh, perhaps like an Asian background, I realized that I just had this hunger for opportunity, um, which somehow a lot of people around me didn't have, so it was you know advantage to me, and um, that accelerated my my progression in corporate. But I got to a point in corporate when I was you know making the six figures and you know all of that kind of stuff, and I I just looked at it and thought, is this it? Like really? Um, and I looked at my seniors, I thought, okay, it's one, one step away from where I was aiming, which was senior management um, in, in a large organization. And I thought, wow, you know, I, don't, I really don't have respect for them as a person, as a human being. Um, because I got the look into how everything worked. Uh, but also, it gave me the training to then later go and set up my own business. Because, you know, I was helping run other people's businesses. Um, so I spent the last two years uh, making good money and having a good lifestyle in Australia, uh, but you know, kind of soulless when I turned up to my jobs. 
Um, and that just gave me a push, you know, that emptiness. But I was practicing yoga a lot at that time. So, you know, it, it kind of pushed me to just go onto the mat every day. Uh, I, I was fortunate to be a part of a really awesome community there in Sydney. And um, I just did it because I loved yoga. You know, I, I didn't know I was going to teach. Um, I had certainly had no aspirations to teach at all. Um, and, you know, I took time off. I'd saved money, I took time off. I knew I was going to come to to London and I wanted to travel around and work in corporate maybe and then you know just see what happens um, and along the way in the in that time off that studio I was at um, you know they did their first teacher training and you know, awesome studio still really good friends um, with the owner there he's hugely successful out there in Australia um, and he said I oh, you know you should just one day during the training he said oh you know you, you should just do a you should set this up in London. And I said, what do you mean? Like, this doesn't exist in London? He said, no, no, like, the scene is a little bit behind over there. I was like, no. You know, by then I was so hooked yeah. on yoga and I loved it so much. Um, so I guess he planted a seed in my mind. You know, what was just a, a hobby and, and a love, you know, outside of work. Um, I went traveling and as you do, you know, you end up in Spain and I was practicing yoga every day. And at that stage, it, like a two hour practice, was like a minimum, I just loved the practice so much. Um, and I was just kind of working out what I wanted to do with my life. I had a few months off, I stayed in Spain, and um, I rented a room with some friends. And I used to practice every day, so in, in the morning I'll go for Spanish classes, in the evening I'll practice <laughs> yoga. And I had like, you know, six o'clock in the evening I'll practice. So, you know, a buddy of mine came to me and said, oh, hey, you know, you can, you can teach yoga, right? You've done a teacher training. I, and I was going through this kind of like identity crisis, I guess you could say. I'm not, I'm not a yoga teacher. So I said to people, I'm not gonna teach you, but you can come and practice next to me every day. Practice at six o'clock, you know, come along. Um, so he came and then, you know, he brought a buddy the next day, and next thing you know, like quarter to six, there was just this like crowd of people <laughs> that I didn't know outside of my door. They'll come up, they'll clear up the living room, they'll, you know, like put the heating on, they brought the gas tank to heat up the, the heater and, uh, they were ready, they had like towels, they didn't even have yoga mats, rugs and things. That's crazy. And uh, the room was just full of people, some of my friends, some of them just people that I didn't know. Uh, and within, within a few weeks, I had nowhere to practice. So my practice stuff was taken <laughs> by my friends and their friends. So I went to Spanish lessons. <laughs> yeah, so that I, you know, I, I was actually kind of swearing a little bit at them going, this is my practice time. Um, so it forced me to just stand up and teach. And then as I did that for a few days and a couple of weeks, I thought, you know, I like this. You know, I really love this. And um, maybe I should stop lying to myself that I don't like this and just let go of this, whatever this identity that I'm hanging on to and just pursue this. Um, so when I made that decision, a week later, I bought a ticket to London. It was uh, winter 2017. Uh, I think it was like 4th of December or something. I arrived in London and I thought, okay, if I can survive one winter here, then, you know, I should be okay. I'll yeah. make it. Um, I landed on my feet. I had a buddy here that just kind of took me, and he was going back to Malaysia, so I got his flat. And I just practiced every day, and yoga just became this thing where that became my home. You know, it doesn't matter where I was. It just, I felt at home in myself as long as I practiced. Um, and I spent a month plotting out and just thinking about what I wanted to create, my business, which was then um, Hop How Yoga. Um, and I started there, yeah, the next month I was in Clapham because I thought, I mean, I went there to catch up for coffee with a friend um, and I noticed my demographic was there. So I thought, okay, you know, this is one of the places, yeah. Um, yeah, and so I hired a, 
I had a room and printed my flies in the bedroom and I went to the tube station every day and flyed. And I, because I was new to the country, I didn't know that you can't fly right at the turnstiles. That's how passionate I was. You know, I had like station master trying to keep yeah. me out and things. I didn't know you couldn't do that either. No, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just stand outside the station. Huh. Yeah, not at the turnstile. You know, yeah. that was going like, I first class free. So I was like free yoga and uh, this... I'm like a crazy person, smiling with this big smile, and London is kind of just looking at me. Yeah. Like, what is wrong? With you? Yeah, yeah. Not talking. And everyone's like, no. And um, <laughs> that was my training in and really putting myself out there as a teacher as well. Um, which you know now I, I teach the, the the people I train to be yoga teachers. I teach them how to you know deal with some of those kind of personal things that might come up, like insecurities that come up when people say no. Uh, you know, they're not rejecting you. They've just got their stuff going on. Um, but you know the odd person every set. But as I started to shift my mood inside, people would come back and go, "What was that free what? Oh, free yoga class?" So you know, I give them a thing, and then people came. So um, there I was. Hired some rooms. I had this like two heaters that I run around with. I had this little schedule. Um, it slowly built, you know, into into a community. And next thing, that room was just rammed with people, yeah. and you know, sweat. I mean, there's condensations dripping off the walls. How hard does uh, I heat it to about 28, 30 degrees, but when you have more people in a certain you know, room, it just gets yeah. really hot. Um, and you know, I, yeah, it's just the passion of the practice, I guess, was just coming out and people were just feeding off that. And uh, before I know it, I was in Clapham North Arts Centre, you know, I had the room probably, I mean, not, probably not much bigger than, than these two rooms put together. That started to fill up and people were like, okay, I think we need a bigger room. So then, um, yeah, uh, one of the things I envisioned um, as I opened the studio, about three months into the business, um, it started to kind of not work. And I remember waking up one morning thinking, what am I doing? You know, this is crazy. Uh, I've got two months of rent in my bank account. I just, what am I doing? I could be making a six-figure, you know, in a corporate job. Um, and that made me really get clear on why I was doing it. And the moment I did, you know, things just started to flow. Um, and I had this vision of about 80 odd people in a room and I was teaching them yoga. Um, less than three years, I think it was like two and a half years later, I was standing in front of my studio in Clapham North Art Center, where we took two units, we cut the wall out, and there's 83 people, there's mats right up to the toilet, and everyone's just, you know, like, there was buzz in, this, in the studio, in the community. Um, and yeah, it was purely just built on community. You know, and passion and just love for yoga. Yeah. And how has yoga changed from that first instance, what you say about 17, 18 years ago, mm. to that first class you ran just over 10 years ago to now? What's the evolution been? I think um, it, like 17, 18 years ago, it was this still, you know, a bit underground, um, still quite odd uh, to be doing yoga and people didn't understand it. You know, you had to be a bit strange or esoteric or something like that. Um, I was into meditation by then anyway. Um, and, and yoga just kind of complemented it really well. Um, interestingly, in Australia, that culture changed very quickly because as athletes started to find out about the benefits of yoga, you know, guys or girls, they just kind of jumped into it and just took it on. Um, I think also in a city like that, because there's a lot more body image and you know, you're on the beach and the weather is really good, um, people are more body conscious, so yeah. they were doing things that, you know, about fitness, 
and also then they realize that yoga complements it really well. So it kind of, I've seen all of those waves um, and as I saw yoga kind of start to really explode over there in Australia um, and, and you know, and my buddy, my teacher over there that said, oh, you know, it doesn't exist here. Uh, obviously from a business point of view, there was pot potential in that as well. When I came here 10 years ago and like early days when I started teaching, um, quite literally when people, you know, sometimes you go to places and people say, oh, what do you do as they do? And I said, I teach yoga. Quite literally, I mean, they may as well have just turned around and just walked away. You know, because it was th that's that same stigma of it being strange and weird um, or, or whatever. They just didn't understand what yoga was. Today, I try not to tell people that I'm a yoga teacher. You know, like from Uber drivers to, to wherever, or like when I'm traveling now and teaching, I carry a yoga mat. And there's always someone who wants to have a conversation about yoga. You know, and if they find out you're teaching yoga, like they just want to, you know, they just want to know even more, which is cool. And at the same time, you know, that it shows you the kind of difference of mindset now um, and how yoga is actually uh, woven into so many things. You know, it's got so many flavors. Um, and I think that's a good thing as well. You know, why not? Yeah, I feel like your average person, and let's say like your, specifically your average male, associates yoga, Pilates, and meditation pretty much in the same bucket, yeah. pretty much disregards them in any way, shape, or form. Um, could you maybe talk briefly about like some minor differences between them and then more so about why do you think that is? Like why are guys so afraid of, of trying giving yoga a try or something like that? Sure. Um, I'm probably not qualified to speak about the differences of Pilates and yoga and things like that because I haven't trained in Pilates. Um, yoga, I can tell you, is, you know, <clears throat> if I was to break it down, it, it's a balance of strength and flexibility workout on, on if it was a purely physical level and uh, it's a much more holistic approach to health uh, because it doesn't just work on the physical level, it works on an emotional uh, and mental clarity and peace and calm uh, level as well. So there is a meditative uh, effect or impact of it and it's really a schooling, like an education on how to live life more skillfully even though as strange as it is, you know, you're just, you're just doing a couple of postures, but you might be on the mat doing a posture and you're battling with yourself through posture, you know, and whatever shows up on the mat is actually just how we react to things in our lives anyway. So it's this amazing training, not just on a physical level, but on so many facets and so many levels. Um, and it, you know, it serves, serves us on so many levels. <clears throat> as a as man, as men, uh, I remember uh, early days of the studio, I used to go out to Clapham Common and, and hand out flyers, you know, in summer on the park. And I remember one very clear vision in my mind of a guy um, who was just sitting there with his buddy having a beer. And, you know, I gave him a flyer for yoga and he was like, what is this? I play football, you know, and he mm -hmm. gave it back to me and I smiled at him and took it back. Um, it's like, okay, yeah, you play football. I was a martial artist. <laughs> yeah. You know, <clears throat> so what? And how do you think that attitude is going to evolve or continue to evolve? Well, I think it's evolved already and I'm, you know, I'm glad to see that it's evolved. Uh, I, work with, uh, I worked with the Premier League Football Club here um, and the mindset, you know, in certain clubs there's still an old school mindset and I think those places that still have an old school mindset, whether it's football or any other kind of sporting team, are missing out on just having that extra edge. 
Um, I work privately with some footballers as well who really see the benefits in it and then you know, come and spend the time and um, money to, to train with me. Um, yeah, it just gives you a certain edge. You know, no matter what sport, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether it's on a physical level, a mental level, a meditative level, you know, whether it's just you breathing to your lung capacity and that kind of a training, uh, getting rid of tension in your body so that, you know, your flexibility and strength is kind of whole body. Um, yeah, just endurance, agility, all that kind of stuff. As an athlete, I wish I knew about yoga when I was an athlete. You know, I probably wouldn't have torn my hamstrings. Mm. Uh, you say yeah. Michael Aaron could have done with yoga about 20 years ago. And yeah. he was living with a torn hamstring for about about 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, so many injuries, you know, that you just avoid. Now you look at footballers, you know, all that tightness, and I think they need a certain tightness because it's a bursty kind of power that they need, but at the same time, they could avoid a lot of injuries, you know, with, with something like yoga. Just, I mean, so many football clubs now get it, and they do it anyway as part of their regime, which is awesome. Now, what, as um, a yoga instructor, if I was you know, trying yoga or someone who would goes to yoga um, pretty regularly, what would you say the difference between pain and discomfort is? I feel like a lot of times people have trouble determining that when they're working out, really regardless of whatever kind of workout they're doing. Like, uh, like oh, that hurts a little bit, but it's supposed to hurt, a, but like that one, hurt, like it hurts different. So yes. how do you, uh, I don't know, I guess, I'm, I'm not sure how to phrase the question, but how do you sort of know when to stop pushing and know when to keep pushing? Great question. This actually is one of the principles, um, I call it the principles asana, principles of postures that I teach whenever I do a, like a beginner's workshop or right up to our teacher training programs and I teach our teachers to pass this on, you know, to their teachers and I call it, uh, the principle is feel your body and in feel your body, you know, pain is always a question and in, in any posture, there is a physical element to it and then there's a mental element to it. I always say, um, if you've been to any of my classes, I'll say, you know, 80% of the posture is mental, is mindset. And then 20% of it is the technicality of it and the physicality of it, you know, if at all. So, pain, for example, there may be a physical aspect to pain and then there is the interpretation and the drama that the mind creates, the thoughts that the mind has about the sensation. And <clears throat> not to say that, oh, you should ignore sensation, you should pay attention to sensation because when you're paying attention to sensations in your body, your greatest teacher is already within you. So as you pay attention to whatever feedback your body's giving you moment by moment, you know, when you're able to do that, the body is always in the present moment. So when you're listening to that feedback and responding moment by moment, it keeps you completely anchored into the present moment. And it tells you what is actually physical and what is mental. <laughs> and from the physical stuff, what's actually something you should stay with and what you should pull back on. Um, and I'm guessing your question was more about the physical sensation. So. You know, I hope you don't mind me going kind of more than that. No, yeah. Um, from a physical point of view, when it's sensation, anything that's kind of sharp pain, shooting pain, you know, you will just know when you listen to your body that your body's just saying stop. Mm -hmm. You know, like a very clear stop right there. And if you don't respect that, if you don't listen to that, you're heading to injury 
probably fairly quickly. Um, and when it shows up, it's normally it'll give you a few warning signs before it hits injury, if you're paying attention to your body. Now the challenge is, most of us, especially in a place like London, you know, we're so busy in our heads that when you step onto the mat, most of the time, I would spend most of my time telling people to breathe and getting people into their breath and feeling into their body. Because the moment someone can do that, they've already got the greatest teacher within them. It's that feedback mechanism, right? So on one level, you know when it's these kinds of sensations that your body is saying stop. And then there's other sensations like, you know, let's say if you're holding a pose and you're really breathing, especially if your room is heated like the rooms that I teach in, you know, your muscles may not be used to that kind of a strengthening work. You know, you can just pump weight and that's a different kind of strength to just holding something, holding a posture. Like if you just held plank for 50 breaths, that's a very yeah. different kind of strength of the muscles to just doing lots of reps. I can advocate that for someone that can do how many press-ups. But trying to hold down a dog for even a minute or more is tough. Yeah. Really tough. Yeah. Especially you know, 40 minutes into um, a class. It's hard work. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's ways to practice that um, you can just ignore all of that and you can just kind of just like, it looks all fancy and flowery and flary, that's wonderful. And then there's ways to actually just stop and go deep and breathe and feel. Um, and that's the stuff that I'm passionate about, you know, on a physical level, uh, like a deeper transformation. And then my other passion is actually really working with the mind and emotion. That's actually what I do in my trainings, going deeper. Uh, but certainly on a physical level, you know, you can experience an immense amount of transformation, um, physical health as well as then, you know, then obviously ties into emotional health as well. Yeah, that's awesome. So after this quick message from our sponsors, we're going to hop into the rapid fire question portion of this podcast. Hey everyone, Steph here, co-founder of Gay Sweat and sponsor of The Sweatcast. Gay Sweat wants to make discovering sports simple, so we've created a sports marketplace that allows users to easily discover and book sports and fitness near them. No more scrolling through Google, trying to find your local facilities. GaySweat lets you search for exactly what you want, where and when you want it. From silent disco boot camps to candlelit yoga and even Quidditch, we've got it all. For 20% off all GoSweat activities, enter the discount code SWEATCAST at checkout. Happy sweating! Okay, welcome back and we're going to hop right back in to the rapid fire questions. So the first one, um, so when you're feeling overwhelmed or unfocused, besides yoga, <laughs> what is it that you do to sort of reel yourself back in? Um, when I feel overwhelmed, I want to say I only do yoga and meditation, <laughs> uh, which is kind of true actually. And when I feel overwhelmed, I actually pause and feel my feet and take some deep breaths. Actually, um, one of the things I teach my students, I say, pause, take 10 deep breaths. And if it's difficult for you to focus on you know, whatever is going on or just focus on yourself, close your eyes and put your hands on your ribs. You know, stand up, feel your feet, and just let the breath really fill up your lungs like balloon, you know, filling up. Um, and then you're going to be in a different place mentally. Uh, and then, you, you know, you're going to be in a place where you have better perspective. And because you feel better in, internally, suddenly maybe more calm, you're going to make a better decision anyway. And overwhelm is what 
you know, when you're trying to do too many things or too much and solve it all in one go. So the other part of it will just be just looking at the whole thing and just going, you know, what can I actually do now and breaking into the smallest chunk of what I can do. It's interesting. If you were allowed to say meditation in response to that or yoga, what would you say to someone that had you know, five minutes, just wanted to basically calm and relax, what would you do? If you were allowed to answer that question as yoga or meditation. If I was? Yeah. Um, to a yogi you mean or to someone who meditates? Either. Same thing. I would just explain it in a very simple way because you know it's no different to doing a yoga pose. Someone can do a yoga pose and be stressed out because they're panic breathing you know, and they're not really applying the breath. So breath is really a key part to it because the breath has a direct correlation and result to, to emotion. And you know, if you're not managing your internal emotion, there's no chance of you managing the emotion. I mean, whatever emotion, but leave alone overwhelm or yeah. stress. So what is your biggest pet peeve in terms of yoga etiquette? Is it a phone going off or people talking or maybe someone just not really trying or holding the position or, or, or <laughs> taking <something>. a selfie? <laughs> <laughs> taking a selfie. I'm sure you've seen it all at this point. <laughs> um, I think I'm... <laughs> I've been called a yoga tyrant, okay. <laughs> so I'm quite a strict teacher, even though I smile and I joke a lot, um, I also don't take any shit. So if someone's got their phone there, I, you know, I have no problem going there and taking their phone and turning it face down or telling them to put it away, you know, so I don't have a problem doing that. Um, because you know, then it just kind of gets in the way of other people. So maybe yeah, phone is one thing. Phone, yeah, I, me a little bit. I'm not a, never really done much yoga, but I would imagine that like that would like because it affects everyone around yeah. you. You know, we're in we're at the gym. You know, you're listening to music. You might be in your own spot. Um, so what is the first thing you do uh, when you wake up? Mm, good question. The first thing I do is drink water. Um, I always have next to my bed about a liter of water. Um, if I'm disciplined enough, I might have a lemon in it. But <laughs> 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 obviously, it's water. Uh, and I just, yeah, drink the water, um, you know, go and take care of any bodily functions, and then just, I'll just sit and meditate actually before I start my day. For how long? Uh, it'll go for like half an hour. Yeah, I spent a period last year when I was going through a lot of external change um, where I was meditating about two hours a day. I did that like every day for few months and it just gave me an immense amount of clarity. I, in most of the days, these days I don't have two hours. I do about half an hour, uh, but it's just a must for me before I do anything else. Uh, and I go through a series of things that I do in the meditation as well as just visualize my day, you know, and, and as though it's all done. And when you're doing that, do you sit, or do you sit on a mat, do you sit on the floor, or how do you do it? Um, so imagine for someone that's pretty ignorant on meditation, if you lay down, having just woken up, Sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you lie back down, that's called sleep. <laughs> uh, you can sit up at the edge of your bed. You know, you can sit on a chair, as long as your back is kind of upright, um, and you can also just be able to breathe comfortably. Your hands can just put them, palms facing up, and then just close your eyes and breathe, you know. Um, normally when I teach people meditation, I'd say, you know, just do five minutes. Uh, if you want to get into a meditation routine, First thing when you wake up, five minutes. Last thing you do, maybe after you brush your teeth, five minutes and then roll into bed. Uh, and I found that when I've worked with groups who have done that over a period of weeks, 
Uh, even things like sleep improve significantly. People are actually sleeping, even just from five minutes. And I guess the important factor for that is five minutes and then into bed, not five minutes then into bed and onto Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, for, for 20 minutes. That's the same in the morning because I often do this is you wake up, so my phone alarm goes off. I see that I've got 15 notifications of most of rubbish. Yeah. And then I sit in bed, half asleep, sort of flicking through, reading emails, messages, God knows what. Yeah. And then almost your day has started before your body even has. Yeah. It has, it has. That's a very precious time because you've just had all of this rest and you know your your mind is really awake and alert and you know it's the kind of time of creativity as well uh, my recommendation would be to put the phone on airplane mode uh, and I've, since i started doing that it's been really good and as you know sometimes you have to like oh, i just want to take it off airplane mode before i meditate and the days i've given into that my day just kind of goes off the rails yeah. um, but if i sit there and just meditate you know my day is completely different significantly different do you have a certain quote that you live by or that you think about often? Hmm. Good rapid fire question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the one, uh, the Buddha quote, which is, you know, we create our worlds with our thoughts. Um, and that's been, there's always stuff that comes up in different periods, in different parts of the journey, and that's been one of the things that's been very, I mean, it's obvious, but it's one of those things that has a lot of depth to it and really getting, for me, where I am in my journey right now, especially with meditation and, and yoga practices and meditation, just understanding the power of my thoughts, you know, and the, the effect it has on everything around me and, and how I'm actually manifesting everything around me just from my thoughts and my thinking. Okay, two more and then that'll wrap it up. So in terms of book recommendations. Do you have any books that you recommend or that you give to people as a gift often? Sure. Um, I think simple ones to read are things like The, the Power of Now on New Earth. Um, they're quite easy, simple reads and you know it just it teaches people to be present and, and it's simple but not always easy you know to put it into practice um, and I think the more we're able to practice that through our day you know, I always say um, every moment in the day is an opportunity to be in meditation. You could be chopping vegetables, you could be interacting with someone. You know, whatever it is that you're doing is a moment to be in meditation. It doesn't mean you have to sit in meditation, but just paying attention, you know, to your breath, your body, and all the sensations that you're you're receiving from your external world. That's meditation, you know, and that's about being present. And when you're present, nothing is more powerful than being present. Um, so I love um, Eckhart's books because it's kind of simple and, you know, just teaches people to, to get into the present moment. Yeah, and last one, this one's kind of funny. Um, before, <laughs> before you came in, I googled what to ask a yoga instructor because I was thinking about it and, you know, I came up with those previous questions. I'm like, they're pretty good, but, like, I want to try and jump into the mind of someone else. I saw a question and it kind of jumped out at me because I was like, wow, like, that's a good question, but it's also funny. What happens when someone farts? <laughs> and I'm sure it's got to be awkward. <laughs> yeah, I actually just roll with it and and you know make make some kind of joke that's not going to embarrass them. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know maybe something about you know acknowledging 
how great it is to let go or something <laughs> silly like that, you know, which doesn't embarrass that person, it doesn't pick them out, but yeah. uh, just in general, just a good laugh for the class, yeah. That's good, that's good. So Dylan, we appreciate you having you on. Where can, uh, where can everyone find you if they want to get in contact with you? Sure. Uh, just my website is dylanayulu.com. Uh, so if you go to that, you'll find as I'm traveling around and teaching, I do, uh, if you are a practitioner, I do lots of master classes and workshops. Um, I'm also at the yoga show this year, both in Manchester and London. Um, I do free teach training open houses. If you're at a level where you want to go into teaching or you're dipping your toes, there's other kind of intermediary programs that you can do before you jump into the full teacher training. Um, or yeah, if you want to learn how to be a teacher, yoga teacher, that's my passion. You know, I love training powerful, inspiring, magnetic teachers that can really impact people's lives. Um, or yoga teachers who want to set up yoga studios and I've done that for the last 10 years and now um, I'm on to my next journey of helping other people you know, run successful businesses and uh, yoga studios. So that's another thing that I'm actually just starting off. Okay, great. Thanks again for coming Thank on. Much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's it for the Sweatcast today. I'm Jack Brady. Hit that like or love button and remember to share this podcast. The Sweatcast is every Wednesday at 9am. You can also find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and CastBox. Remember to keep sweating and see you next week.